Me First, My Condition Second is brought to you by AbbVie. Hello, I'm Jo Vaness. I'm your host for today's podcast. Now, chronic disease lasts a lifetime, but it doesn't define a life. And this series focuses on people first, their disease second. We'll meet some people living with chronic inflammatory conditions and learn from their experiences. We'll meet experts sharing valuable information and we'll aim to give you the tools which may assist living with a chronic condition. So today our topic is fatigue and many of you may have experienced feeling so tired that you're unable to go about your day. Now this is a really common symptom in chronic inflammatory conditions. We have with us today Fiona. She is a registered nurse who's been working for the past eight years supporting people with autoimmune conditions. Fiona, can you tell us a little bit about fatigue in chronic inflammatory conditions? I will start by saying fatigue is not the same as tiredness. Everyone feels worn out from time to time. The term fatigue is used when that feeling of tiredness and exhaustion is constant. Even when you have a good night's sleep, the feeling doesn't go away. This level of tiredness can be quite disruptive, affecting your social life, mental health and the ability to work. Yeah, I see the distinction. So why do people with chronic inflammatory conditions experience fatigue so often? When you have a chronic inflammatory condition, your body undergoes stress as it tries to cope with the chemicals produced within the body in response to the inflammation. This can cause fatigue, especially when your disease is very active. You're also dealing with a chronic condition that causes pain and this can take a toll. Pain often affects sleep habits, which can add to the exhaustion. When you are feeling fatigued, it can worsen pain and pain in turn contributes to fatigue and so on. Like a vicious cycle. Exactly. But fatigue isn't always directly related to the condition. There are a lot of other reasons a person may be feeling fatigued. Lack of sleep physical inactivity, obesity, poor nutrition, depression, anemia, side effects of medications and other medical conditions can all contribute to fatigue. Wow, I didn't realise there were so many layers to fatigue. Well, now that we have an understanding of why fatigue occurs in chronic inflammatory conditions, let's take a closer look at the actual experience. So we have with us Anne-Marie Brown. Hello, Anne-Marie. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. My name's Andrew Brown. I'm 48 years old. I've got uh, a preteen and a teenage daughter and two adult stepchildren. I've got a dog that I absolutely adore, I'm kind of obsessed with, and a whole lot of goldfish. Work-wise, I'm a general manager of content for the Housing Industry Association, which is known as HIA, which fits really perfectly into my word nerdery love, Mm -hmm. but also the fact I used to be an interior designer, so it it fits well into being able to talk about and write about homes and building all day long. From a health perspective, for the probably reason I'm here today is I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis or PSA, as it's often called, about five years ago. I actually suspected I had it for a couple of years before that, uh, mostly because I'd had psoriasis since I was a child. Yeah, So, Anne-Marie, with PSA or with psoriatic arthritis, what are some of the measures that you had to take to deal with your symptoms and what were your symptoms? Well, my symptoms were ranging from fatigue to joint aches and pains. Um, Sometimes those aches and pains were associated with the neck and the back, so that would often um, lead to headaches and, you know, limited mobility. 
over the years, you know, prior to um, diagnosis, I tried lots of different courses to, to treat my pain or my fatigue. Um, I tried diet, I tried acupuncture, I tried cupping, physiotherapy, wellness courses, meditation. It, it really, um, because I didn't know what I was dealing with, I was just trying to, to reach for a solution to feel better. Um, look, PSA still made it difficult um, for me to enjoy a lot of aspects of my life, um, but until I was on the right course medically, it, it didn't really resolve itself. Now, I just want to focus on the feeling of fatigue. So I just wanted to ask you, Anne-Marie, how does fatigue make you feel, both physically and mentally? Look, for me, um, the best way to describe it is, you know, if you've ever had a virus, like not just a head cold, but, you know, those kind of horrible, aching, you know, feverish viruses that knock you off your feet for a couple of days, you know, that's exactly what the fatigue feels like. It's, it's a heaviness. You sort of spend half your day sleeping or wanting to sleep and the other half of the day drinking tea and watching Netflix. You know, even the cup or the remote control in your hand feels really, really heavy. You know, with the exception of the fever, like that is exactly how I would describe the fatigue that I felt. You know, for me, um, the frustration looking back is it wasn't present every day, all day. It comes in waves. Like now I know they call these, these experiences flares. You know, it would, it would last for two to seven days at a time when I'd have a flare. And so I'd often say I would lose my flare when I was having a flare. <laughs> <laughs> but planning ahead became really hard, like socially, especially in the evenings. Mm. Um, I just stopped planning, you know, things to avoid the reputation of being like a last-minute cancellor. Mm. The fatigue um, is also really unpredictable. Like I recall when my daughters were, were both in preschool, lying in bed almost a whole weekend, you know, I'd go through waves of sleep and numbness. I was wondering why I was feeling physically how I was feeling, but also I felt really unengaged. I would lie and tell people I had a virus or I had a head cold I couldn't shake. If I told everyone I was sick, I would actually you know, have an excuse to, to get the rest I craved. At other times, what was frustrating is my body would be really tired, but my mind was still buzzing. I'd go to bed early because my body needed a rest, but I wasn't mentally tired. So I'd just lie there for hours. My brain would be wide awake. I watched a whole lot of bad late night TV during those times. Now, all these things all put together make you feel like you are crazy or selfish or lazy or just lacking resilience. Yeah. Thank you, Anne-Marie. That's a really detailed, excellent insight. And I just want to move to Fiona now and ask her what some of the ways might be to deal with this fatigue. It's important to identify and treat the factors contributing to fatigue to help provide relief. If poor sleep is contributing to fatigue, try maintaining good sleep habits. If it's lack of physical activity, get up and move. If it's poor eating habits, change those up. You get the idea. Yes, and can I ask you to elaborate on what good sleep habits are? There are a number of habits that may help to get a better night's sleep. Going to bed and waking up at the same time each day could help to improve the quality of sleep. The artificial light from digital devices like your cell phone can affect the ability to wind down before bed. So getting into the habit of putting them away before you prepare for bed may help. Drinking coffee or consuming food and drinks high in sugar in the afternoon can also make you feel more awake. Drinking alcohol can affect sleep quality and may make you toss and turn a lot. 
You mentioned exercise before. Now, when I'm feeling tired, exercise is absolutely the last thing on my mind. Tempting as it may be just to collapse on the couch and watch your favourite TV show, exercise can give you the energy boost you need. Regular exercise helps to increase muscle mass, strength, blood circulation and flexibility. All this doesn't just give you a boost of energy, it can help to reduce pain. Exercise also helps your brain to create endorphins, which can give you a sense of well-being and vitality and help to improve nighttime sleep. Wow, Fiona, I think you just motivated me to take a walk after we finish here. (laughs) Um, Now, Anne-Marie, could you describe some of the factors that you think have contributed to fatigue you felt before and tell us how you managed them? Yeah, good question. Um, Look, for me, the main contributing factors would be lack of physical activity, broken sleep, depression, uh, self-esteem issues, and and maybe just making bad choices even when it comes to, to what I'm eating. Uh, Now, if I have anything social in my diary in the evenings, I make sure it's only once or twice a week so I don't overcommit myself and the energy that I have. Um, With my work life, I work from home Thursdays and Fridays. I take short bursts offline to sometimes just let myself lie down and rest and and often I'll think about what I need to achieve next or take some notes. I also use this time to often sit outside. I will think about solutions. I'll even slot physical clock-off times into my diary I've also, so far unsuccessfully, tried to master the mid-afternoon nana nap. <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> yes, for me also. Um, Fiona, can you tell us um, any ways that you know of preventing fatigue? We've spoken about a lot of these. Keeping the energy levels up by eating regular healthy meals and snacks may help. Staying hydrated. Some people feel tired even if they are only mildly dehydrated. Exercise, of course, can give an energy boost and may make people feel less tired in the long run. Carrying extra weight can also be exhausting, so losing the excess weight may help. Sleeping well and reducing stress can also help to improve energy levels as well. That is some great information to have on hand, thank you. And back to you, Anne-Marie, are there any steps you take to regularly avoid becoming fatigued? Oh, look, I'd love to be spontaneous, but planning is my friend. Um, it's having a good night's sleep routine helps a lot. It's it's not very cool, but, you know, when I'm home, I take my contact lenses out, I have a shower, put on my pyjamas. Sometimes this is as early as, as 5 p.m. Um, that allows me to begin that psychological wind down to a good night's sleep. I often pre-cook meals if I can. Um, I try to get through the housework early in the day, especially washing, I still get fatigue on occasion, um, so I often find I'll get up early if I need to exercise, I'll do it in the mornings. I eat well most days. Um, I don't ask for permission to rest when I need to. That's really important. Uh, I actually take time to book in mindfulness exercises, um, stretching classes, aerobic classes when I'm really feeling up to it. But for me, allowing yourself to factor in zone-out times in my week is really important. It allows me to rest my body, but allows my mind to to also have a bit of a break. There are weeks where I do no exercise at all, really, except maybe walking the dog. So um, I definitely work with the ebb and flow that I feel. I met my fiancé just as I was being diagnosed. So in a way, it was easy to get him onside really early on. He actually has um, rheumatoid arthritis, so we manage our conditions together. Yeah, so he understands too. He does. So it it sounds to me like fatigue can have a a super big impact on your daily life and your work and your social Mm. life as well. Yeah, it certainly can. Do you 
discuss this with those around you? How open are you about fatigue and how it's impacting you? Actually, it's important for me and I think for anyone to be really open about it. I've I've let family and friends know that I have days where I'm on fire and and other days I'm just doing the best I can. Having them understand, you know, the flares and the ebb and flow means setting expectations um, in their eyes but also setting expectations for yourself as well. It means in a way you never have to really explain yourself. That takes up a lot of energy explaining to people I'm just not having a good day or I'm in the middle of a flare. You know, I've even got a, a, a really good friend of mine, my best friend, he's even got the term going to ground, which is his way of saying to me after knowing me for many years, if I just message him and say going to ground, he'll know he won't call, he won't bother me, I'll call him when I'm coming up for air again. Yeah. Fiona, how often do patients tell you they're experiencing fatigue? Is it something they struggle to communicate? Patients may say they're tired but unaware of the reasons why. A visit to the doctor could help narrow down the cause of their fatigue. Thanks, Fiona. Now, before we wrap up, there's one final question I have for Anne-Marie. If you could go back before your diagnosis, would you have changed anything? Uh, That's actually a really good question. Uh, To be honest, I really wish back then someone had suggested that it could be PSA. I certainly had some signs of it from, you know, bent fingers through to, you know, nail pitting. That way, if I'd have been diagnosed earlier, I could have spent more time working with managing my pain, my mobility, my energy levels, instead of constantly feeling like I was disappointing people in my life. If I'd been diagnosed earlier, I'd have been able to take care of myself. I would have been kinder to myself in the process and just had an easy time of it. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Fiona, as well, for joining us and sharing your valuable insight. And to our listeners, we hope you found that helpful and that it gave you some useful information. And as always, if you are struggling to deal with fatigue, remember to speak to your doctor because they can advise you on the best ways to move forward. The information provided in this podcast is the opinion of the speakers and does not replace the advice of your healthcare professionals. 